So this is our, our first yeah. our first session and we're just gonna get into why we're we doing this Copa Fanaki foundry. Yeah, well I, I mean I guess looking back is probably a good starting point and we'll get to something interesting. I think a lot of it's game B was a big spark for me. It, it articulated a bunch of stuff in a really clear way that, that I had seen or felt or mm. thought. And then gave me a really clear you can't just be like tweaking the edges on yeah, yeah i think you shared that um i think you shared the first video of game b which was about finding the others and um oh that was such a you know one. that was wicked it was in game b that it connected all the different concepts that we thought were important that we weren't seeing and that also it was it was objective enough that it wasn't like I could see a Māori worldview tie into it quite easily, um, mm. but it wasn't something I was seeing in Māori operational structures. Um, yeah. So I thought, oh my, that, that'd be that'd be wicked. Like MB, um when you introduced that, that was cool. Yeah. So so I was working on a eco park project for for a local council in Aotearoa, and you came on as a contractor as a mataranga Māori specialist i think <laughs> yeah and that project we tried to be really aspirational this is my memory we tried to be re- as aspirational as we could inside of a framework like you and i both came into a project that was already going and we tried to be as aspirational as we could and even that level where probably we look back now and think it wasn't that aspirational that seemed like it was too big of a stretch for the big funders in central government. And so we didn't get the funding to do that. And then if you, and then I think like just during the, the reflection period after that, it was like, well, that wasn't, that didn't feel that aspirational to you or I It felt cool. And I would have been happy if it got funded. But if that was hard to even communicate or to convince people that we should be doing this and it didn't feel aspirational then you know what I mean? like it's crazy to put all that work and effort in to something that doesn't feel super aspirational I think. and we were like well then obviously game b <laughs> gave us like even more of a framework to want to go further but i th- i feel like then we started reflecting on what should we be doing okay i get it game a is terrible like self-limiting thing in game b would be way more fun for everyone to play and but then it's like how do we contribute to that and what actually shifts things and the big thing for me was a lot of the time and effort and priority had been put on facts and figures and then presenting those in a really professional way to decision makers but then it didn't when you reflected on it, it didn't seem like facts and figures were actually driving any political capital. You know what I mean? It was all emotional and network-based relational, you know, relational capital and emotional driving, you know? And that's when I think we were like, what if we just like make things that are impactful to people emotionally mm. rather than just another like uh, position. Another, in another metric case. Yeah, well, and then I think that's when we started thinking about like, how do we, how do we, how do we like impact people in a more meaningful way? And most people aren't going to ever read a position paper. And if the position papers aren't even being successful with central government or other big funders, then it just seemed like a crazy waste of effort. I think the other thing was when we were in the, in the government space that the turnover of staff and the changing from the political, mm. um, I suppose, transitions across different governments or governments of the day. Whoever was in power, pretty much, they could call the shots, and so it was that type of thinking was never safe in in that structure. That's Even true. though there were some awesome champions supporting us and supporting the Kopapa and what we um, what we were creating, it wasn't. We talked. I think you you shared one time like. The, about the continuity of consciousness for Kaipapa, like how would we make sure that mm. this thread and this 
continuity of thinking would keep keep going and people could come in and come and go but something was was there was some yeah what continuity something holding it all together uh and yeah we, we had a discussion around maybe out holding it outside of government um it's probably the best thing yeah and then that i think that was really validated when we spoke to mark and he shared the story of basically them doing trying to do the same thing yeah. you know in the 70s or whenever it was maybe not that long ago but a while back right like yeah that's cool and he was really excited about what we were talking about and he's and and then it reinforces to you that one of the, the things that game a does really well is that a lot of people are out there and I think that's why finding the other was such is such a good component of game B as such something important that they've flagged is that basically he was, he had done that thing and then he had done a lot of the work and thinking that we are doing now. And then he had ran out of steam. It, it's, it hasn't preserved their progress. Right. And, someone else can keep working on it. And that's when we started talking about from eco park to like, okay, well then we need these different components. We need an eco wa where we can have this repository of knowledge. But we talked about monasteries serving that function in the dark ages, like preserving writing and, and knowledge. Yeah. And then I think we talked about Fariwananga, which is a multi concept of, I suppose, houses of traditional houses of learning. And, um, yeah, we, we, we knew Eco Park as itself was a physical space where people would come together and collaborate. And that's, that shared similarities with a pa, which is a, like a Māori settlement. Um, so the Eco Park subtly trend pivoted to pa, which was, it wasn't a um, big change in the word, but in the concept yeah. it carried a lot, I, I suppose, maintained the original thought but built on it. And then Eco Wa, which was the wānanga, what's the thinking space? And that could potentially be a digital space to complement that physical spacing yeah 100 percent. so we, we started with the the park and then we started realizing we need these different components so there, there was like a shift in how we wanted to build support for change we were like all right game b whether it's game b or any other framework but it's just a way of thinking about needing a complete new thing i think that's a, the main thing about game b and it articulates things really well but um there might be other frameworks out there but that's a big thing like we need this current thing is not good and we need a completely new thing um and we need and then we start talking about the different mm. elements that would be needed to be built like a physical shared space is really important in the real meat space and there's all these important things about that just for human nature but also for like in in Maori culture in a place-based yeah. culture like that you can't ignore like the a physical connection to a, a real place a real land um and then we started adding in the yeah. other two Iko pa, Iko wa, and then Iko ha was the was the people element eh, was around that's where the yeah. was the um because when we had the original Eco Park proposal, it didn't get funded essentially. It didn't have the the people who supported it or could champion the concepts or or prioritised it. Um, so it would be we knew that that was a strategic element that needed to be sorted. What's the what is the network that would sit on these nodes and these digital and yeah. physical nodes of the Eco Park and Eco Wa? Um, there's one thing you said, but I remember. I remember uh, like uh, looking at some solar punk stuff, and then there was yeah. um, there was some content that was like solar punk isn't about as misrepresented when you just see all these new buildings because solar punk should be it should yeah. be grown within these derelict old spaces that are forgotten. It should be yeah. rebuilt. So eco park is yeah. a concept. Uh, eco park um, it shouldn't be like a flash new building. It should be. Uh, in terms of solar punk, I, I was reading it, it should be an yeah. old building that's been forgotten about, or old space, or an old forgotten about part of, of the city that's revived and has life breathed into it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a, yeah, that was a, that was a cool concept to hear. It was like the physical space isn't new, but the thinking within that space is. So you can have, um, yeah. 
which is like really like a, a regenerative approach, right? Not a generative, mm. you know, it's like regenerating within an existing scaffolding that's like degraded or inappropriate. And then like something really beautiful springs up from that spot. But yeah, so I, I think, so there's a few shifts and I think you know, all of these things, all these things are interesting on their own, but the most interesting probably thing is synthesizing things together that aren't normally done. Mm. Not that it's never been done, but that you just don't maybe regularly get exposed to combinations in, in interesting ways. And I think that's when we started to find really things that motivated us to keep exploring or to spend effort to build something when we were like, oh, that's, man, if this thing goes together with this thing in a really interesting way and provides some novelty that at least we hadn't been seeing out there, we started talking about obviously people like E.O. Wilson and others that were talking about the the value of synthesizing. Yeah. And, then, and, then we, of, and then we had like, um, then we started talking about permaculture. And then um, I think we, we started talking about syntropic, syntropic agroforestry mm. as, a, um, as a concept. And then you talked about function stacking and how these permaculture systems all have multi-purpose functions that all work together um and then uh, there was a concept of what was it it was syntropic agroforestry is syntropic uh, which is the opposite opposite of entropical entropy entropy starts from simplicity and it goes out and becomes more complex and grows mm. where syntropy starts from multiple multiple parts and then it coalesces into one one structure mm. so that's all these different things synthesized into yeah. one and that's that kind of that's that approach true so i guess what i was describing is like a centropy mm. yeah and then i think the other aspect was that that sort of happened organically was we were like well cultural elements are what drive widespread change and we were like so maybe because so, we put together a bunch of really good logical figures on why government should fund eco park right like look at all these jobs look at all this advanced manufacturing reasoning look at the future of economy look at demographics and you know which ethnicities are going to make up the bulk of the working population all these reasons why like you should invest here in these areas and you'll get return and it's all laid out in figures and ultimately it's only i think we tried twice and i know it's not a massive sample size but i think it's enough to be like all right yeah that didn't like that doesn't guarantee right but it takes a lot of energy and it's not that exciting yeah. so we're like what if we could start making elements of this new culture we found aspirational and that can be used to excite people and if they just get on board for the excitement of this thing rather than for the the logical data for this thing you know, it's not an either or, it's like never an either or, but there, we felt that there wasn't the, uh, there wasn't this pull from something exciting. You know, it's just like, here's a logical reasoning why you should support this, but there wasn't like an emotive pull towards like, yes, I really want to get there. And so we were like, well, what if we can start to pay uh, an artist to generate yes. some yes. Right? Because we were like, that was the thing. We, we were like, maybe we can get some funding and you and I can come up, we can synergize some really cool concepts intellectually, and then an artist can start producing some concept art. And that could maybe start exciting people, and we could use that as a tool to explore and gain Because people, we, we noticed that people didn't really understand the vision, eh, the wider vision. And so yeah, you had to yeah. kind of backtrack. You had to start from this, what does the vision look like? What does this aspirational future look like and then backtrack all the way yeah. to okay if you want that kind of thing what does what do we have to put in now and then we recognize well what nice. does the check what do the checkpoints have to look like from from yeah. then um all the way to to now or to to even next year and that's where imagery around like solar punk type things um studio ghibli you know the type of futures that they they predicted mm. but i think we started diving yeah. into it like just not taking it for face value and asking oh okay well, well in those futures um who holds the power what does day-to-day -day life look like? like what are the different um social structures and where do the resources come from 
And is that something we want to work towards and say, what would it have to be now? And, and if somebody understood that, somebody who was giving funding or someone who was in a decision-making space, um, then they may be better informed to make decisions and uh, understand what this potentially non-popular opinion of what things should be would look like. Yeah, bro, a hundred percent. And I, we also were thinking about Afrofuturism, you know, and there was elements of, you know, Wakanda. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... Wakanda, Wakanda was like a, a mix between, um, you know, because I'm a Maori, Maori guy and you're American guy, so it's like, um, Wakanda was this indigenous future of technology and all these things put together, um, and I think the indigenous aspect was 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 a cool approach to articulate a relationship with our planet and our environment that wasn't based on um, yeah just utility value alone, just but more of us as people and us as humans in our connection to our ecosystems and that was articulated within te ao maori within our maori frameworks but then broadly within an animistic type of framework um and i think that's when we started try, trying to add that into our syntropic list of things to coalesce I think you also touch on something important that led us to where we are today with Bonaki foundry which was we weren't, we, uh, well, we weren't doing a good enough job probably showing, explaining in whatever way why what we were saying was cool to the decision makers, right? I mean, I guess in some sense you could say it, it's possible that it doesn't matter how good what you pitch to them is if there's a political reason that they're going to support X over Y, like it's potential that it doesn't matter. But in a, in this circumstance where we assume that they're actually like being a good actor and they're not pre decided on what they fund, assuming that they're just looking at it and going, Oh, this is cool. Um, then we didn't do a good enough job exciting them and explaining it. And it was really hard. Like we'd get feedback, like I don't actually get this element or this element. And people had to have so much, um, intellectual background to, oh, well, they have to understand a lot of like Teomari elements and why that's relevant to advanced manufacturing. They have to understand sociology and economy and, you know, why shifting capital. They had to understand all these components um, to yeah. get why what and, we were saying. And was I think valuable. that's what the difficulty was like. We had to understand them as well, but we had to um, synthesize it. And what what's that EO Wilson? Um, quote it's something around like like you're yeah, drowning in knowledge but starving yeah, for wisdom yeah, or something and, yeah, yeah and I think the value will be placed on people who are able to synthesize information into something and I think yeah. that's what we um, were still exploring but we we still had all the pieces scattered on our table and we had to figure out how they work together and it was a bit too early to put that forward and we knew that it had to have, have a lot of um, yeah yeah it had to have a lot of work still that's definitely true. And I think that's a lot of that's just where we were with our journey of synthesizing these things that we're working with, but also being brought into a middle of a project. And, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of frustrations mm -hmm. with that, with the system, but it did lead to an opportunity for us to do something cool. Yeah, that was much more just like a blank yeah. slate. Like, well, what should we do? What would be cool? And I think, I mean, obviously, it's not a massive thing yet, but it's it is something. And I think when we were talking about it, it was just a complete pipe dream. So we were just like being really honest about what would be cool. Like we weren't self-editing, like oh, that's crazy, right? We we're just like, well, it'd be amazing to go deep deep into a really exciting aspirational future, which merges like these really cool concepts, which are not necessarily place-based and really amazing wisdom of Teomati and an indigenous worldview. And also what if we could use like technology in a way that was empowering and avoided a lot of the frustrations of bureaucracy and the slowness and let us sort of explore mm. and iterate these ideas in a way that was more easy to share um, with people. And I think what you said was really powerful around, it was hard to explain, but, it's been a lot easier to show yeah. people you know what i mean like once we so 
we said let's get an let's, let's create some scenarios ourselves and then let's pay some artists to create concept art and then that was like not the beginning but early ish that was about a year ago in about i think if i checked our mid journey it was like november of 2022 mm. we started messing around and we were like maybe we can get some crude images oh, through cool. generative ai that then we can give to professional artists and they can create concept mm. art. And through us trying to generate solar punk, animist, game B future images, we eventually found that we might be able to generate interesting enough images without paying someone. And that unlocked so much iteration, mm. right? Yeah, like because we didn't really know what we wanted. I think we, the one thing in our actions were, yeah. was have a clear brief for our. Um, designer so that we we have if we had a finite budget yeah. we'd give it to him and say oh, this is exactly what we want we want this this and this but we didn't really know what that was we were still we were still exploring so this i yeah. think what what mid-journey helped us to do was it allowed us to to explore visually as well as conceptually mm. and that was cool and i think we a few things we recognized was um like one of the things it couldn't do was it couldn't create abstract content very well which was like maori designs and patterns so anytime mm. we asked it to do yeah. that it was um obviously it would fail so we saw that's probably we would have to if we were gonna truly represent any oh, yeah. maori or yeah um any cultural content we'd have to get an artist in um it just, yeah ai version of of art and culture is very different yeah. than the actual but yeah it allowed us to explore, which we're still doing yeah. now. Like the, we're setting up now to be able to explore and synthesize and create things of value and then share them back out into this wider yeah. ecosystem. Yeah, so going back to our initial problem of um, we yeah. had to inspire people to understand what the yeah. bigger picture was. And now we had this immediate tool in, in like mid-journey yeah. and then in runway, um, like to, to then animate it, which is later on the track. But now all this, this like yeah. the eruption of uh, AI, text-to-image, text-to-video um, technology has given us the ability to create a solution to that problem of bringing people over the line from this game A thinking yeah. to game B thinking. Um, so, yeah, it's been crazy. And, the, and a few times we would tell someone what we're up to and, you know, we'd talk about it for an hour. And then at the end, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'll show you some of the, like, sort of images that we're messing with. And then in like 10 seconds, they'd be like, oh, I get it. And and in one case, you know, I showed it to someone and he was like, oh, I like I just look at this image and I know that X, Y and Z have to be a part of their society. Like he, they were able to draw so much from just looking at his image. Oh, I know that there has to be a certain respect and relationship and connectionship and and harmony between this society and, and the natural world because of what I'm seeing. I know that it has to be a certain like societal equity like they were pulling out so many things just from an image or two. And they were like, can I get those images? I want to look at them. They're so inspirational. I want to have them on my backdrop, you know, and I don't, it's not that I'm trying to hype up, you know, our skills. I think it's more just that people were really desperate for that type of yeah. thing, like aspirational, hopeful visions of mm. the future. And they, and also they, how powerful images. Yeah. Are. Yeah. And the thing is, I think our skill is in the synthesizing and our skill is in, probably exploring all these different concepts our skill isn't in putting them into visual medium but with this tool mm. it allowed us like allowed you bro you're the one who who, who been um, the prompt was it creating all these images and it's just like every time something every time an image is created we, we were like oh man what's the what is the story behind this what's the what society have to look like there and have to look like between now and then um yeah and that was a big being able to go out to the to like stretch ourselves to explore as far out as we could, you know, mentally explore out and then find an anchor point in the future that was an, that was attractive. Right. And would draw people. And then once I think this was this became our plan over time, we're like if we can find an anchor point in the future, that's really exciting. And um will pull people then it's a much easier pitch to be like and here's the roadmap of yeah. whatever four stages five stages to go from where we are today to there 
And so fund us for st- the first part of stage yeah. one, you know, and having a, a coherent pathway to get there. But I think the, maybe the most important thing is something that's attractive at the end of it, which I don't think many other solutions yeah. provide. I think one other important part was once we got support from the team in, in government and council to, mm. to seed this idea, um, we asked ourselves what type of structure would hold this thinking. Mm. And we challenged yeah. ourselves to ask what type of structure would align most with the future that's being created. Mm. So just straight off the bat, yeah. we were like, oh man, we can't just be two guys sitting at the top of this pyramid and then hold all the intellectual property and and um, just really create artificial scarcity around this content so that people yeah. can't be a part of it. We like really leaned into thinking around game B, around open source, even around our um, our... Like have, if we could have a cooperative structure where everyone was a part of decision making and operation versus mm. a company that works for shareholders external of the operations and people are just workers um, because in these futures we were creating it wasn't going to be wage wage labor um you know that's not these these images yeah doesn't look like people are slaving away um to their corporate overlords um, yeah wage yeah yeah, yeah it doesn't look like that so what how would we within our current context and what we're able to do how would we best represent that and navigate that so i think that's when we started leaning into i think blockchain eh? like there's been that kind of part of our yeah. centropic um and, and like a DAO yeah, concept, a DAO concept uh, having some kind of decentralized authority um where you know decisions could be made transparently funds could be held on the blockchain so that people could access them and everything could be seen and trying to remove um, these central points of power so that people could collectively work and you could achieve the game B principles of like hyper transparency and hyper collaboration, which are wicked. Um, and yeah, that's, so that was another whole, so we had like, we had talked about like game B and then, these solar punk things and these animus indigenous things then these um then we had blockchain in there then we had like generative ai mm. so all but they were all like if you looked at it if you look at a forest it's got all of its layers it's got all of its intricacies it's got all the different organisms and we were, i feel like we were just uncovering all the different parts of a complex forest yeah. that all just works as one unit um yeah that's true and we haven't touched on what we've come to believe is the most foundational layer of what we're after, which is the animism mm. component. I think we right? had it. Yeah. We came yeah. to say this might be the most important base to uh, the social technology mm. that we need or the social toolkit that we need. Has, we, yeah. It kept coming back, right? It kept coming back to the, a relational yeah, aspect. Yeah, it was interesting. I heard, and I always remember this fellow, what's his name? What's his name? I think it was Johan Rockström. He does like he did the planet, developed the planetary boundary stuff. He's like this geologist, like right. earth scientist fella, and that's what like yeah. the um, donut economics leaned on the planetary boundary. So you know a lot of thinking around that. And he goes, um, yeah. "When you stop thinking about the, our planet as a series of levers and metrics that we have to kind of meet between these minimum thresholds and, and so on and so forth." Um, mm. And he shared an analogy. It was like, yeah, when you have when you have a child, you're like, um, you say, oh, you don't say, I better feed you, otherwise you'll die. You know, you don't you don't say that. You say, I'll yeah. feed you, I'll care for you because I love you, and that's a different relationship. Yeah. And so when we when we yeah. think about or my, myself, and I think about Tao Maori, that's your relationship with your environment. You think, how can I increase? How can I respect it? How can I? give back to my my ancestors my whether they be waterways or mountains mm. um and, and and that tell maori worldview is a subset of this wider animus worldview of seeing of mm. seeing our planet as a living thing and you you having an actual uh, relationship with it because ultimately yeah. we do have that relationship where we we depend on this ecosystem but our society operates like we mm. don't we can just extract yeah. externalize and 
and then um, yeah, all the issues are just pushed out into the, the, the global south or to the less fortunate. So that's why I think animism came in because it really challenged um, the conventional thinking. And it brought in, yeah, a different perspective that's not often talked about. And I think because it's really associated with religion yeah. as well. I can either, either be like indigenous yeah. worldviews are clumped into like, oh, these are the yeah. other religions. But it's, it's um, you know, paganism shared shared those views of of a living world and everything being animated and then um, venerating and honoring honor, their the ecosystems, their waterways. And so there was some cool, cool links. And it's also funny that now panpsychism, a bit of an explosion of popularity, which is just animism, like as a way of describing animism that all parts of, of the cosmos of the universe have a level of consciousness and that's a primary force. So, so it's funny that, you know, we're in a place now where a lot of Western science is yeah, catching up with it. And sometimes claim, sometimes yeah. claiming that, you know, so it's cool that we've got yeah, I always, I always um, find it funny that it's me and you talking because you know you've got you've got this global perspective and I've got this local perspective, but we can both share an animus, um, you know, way of looking yeah, at things. True. Whereas mine is a specific yeah. subset to to Aotearoa and to being Maori, but there are elements of yeah. that 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 are um, that are shared with indigenous cultures and even non-indigenous people around the world. And, you know how you yeah. get into the details of it. You know, it's up to you. Know, you're getting into going down a rabbit hole potentially um but i think there's there's some power in this as a concept to connect to connect globally um people with this concept of animism way of looking at things and being part of something but also respecting the current and long-standing beliefs and worldviews of indigenous peoples so it's like it's like this mm. nice dance um, that's why yeah. we haven't put this kaupapa as being Māori, because it's it's not Māori, it's, it's kind of the broader yeah. aspects of that. In New Zealand, then it becomes Māori, um, but somewhere yeah. else it might be. In, and we were thinking, you you talked about the other day, like, once we become an interplanetary species, you know, what, what does that look like? Hmm. Um, we, were, we were taking this opportunity where the thing we were working on was coming to an end, and we were just thinking really blue sky, and... I think we were doing something really important to do on almost every aspect, which is just go back to the first principle and don't make any, don't build on any assumptions that, that you haven't explored thoroughly yourself. Mm. And it's so easy to just take for granted a few layers of things and you're never actually working back to the core. And I'm sure we're doing that now. It'd be arrogant to think we're not, but hopefully we peel back more than on average. And we were like, what's at the very core reason of why game a or status quo meta systems are so toxic and i think that was one of the things that led us to animism was like if you peel back to the very core like having it and not having that at the base like having a sort of materialist reductionist um base one of the things we talked about is if that is truly your worldview and, it, and you actually authentically believe that that's there's no meaning there's no consciousness there's no awareness there's no animating life force then why wouldn't you just view everything as a resource to do whatever you feel like doing right if, if it's not a living thing it's not a relationship it's just like this is some dead matter in this forest or some unaware matter so there's no moral ethical mm. right like reason i shouldn't exploit it to do whatever thing i feel mm. like doing and so we were like you know that it's just a pro it, we were like game a is just behaving appropriately based on that yep. assumption and anything that you scaffold over that base you'll have this underlying force of returning back to that way of operating which is as you sort of outlined from you know uh, from a Māori worldview is 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 a relationship to things and if it's a just a bunch of lifeless mm -hmm. matter it's not a relational system yeah. right and i think that's why we're like can animism be a, a like a founding social technology that we could build a yeah. stack you know a social because tech stack. then that oh, i was reading somewhere um that that world view then sets the boundaries of what is permissible to your ecosystem what kind of actions 
you can do to it. Um, if you don't have a relationship, if you just have that materialist um, worldview or perspective of, of resources, you can do whatever because it's just inert. But if you have, if it's mm. um, if it's living, or if you have a relationship to it, or if it's divine, or if it's spiritual, whatever way you you frame it up, mm. if it is something more than its uh, yeah. than its physical characteristics, then you you will treat it differently. And if that's at your foundation, then you're going to have um, different results, different approaches to how you go about things. And I think that's why it became a yeah. core of one of the three cores, right? That we were like, okay, that's the base. So if we can build off of, and, and it also connected to just some practical elements of, we are operating in Aotearoa, New Zealand. We are doing work yep. here. So, yeah. you know, I think one, one of the things that reminded me was a story you told about someone that was um, maybe an English guy, but it doesn't really matter. Someone that moved here and was really inspired by and saw value or connected to a lot of Maori mm. elements. And he was excited about the prospect and in a really genuine way, I'm sure, as, as I understand it, to, oh, maybe like if I do enough of X, like I can become mm. Maori. Yeah. But we had this chat about, you know, that's that's not really feasible, but there might be something that both Māori and non-Māori can mm. become or can support or belong to. And that's, I think, one of the really powerful things about that that you touched on briefly about yeah. animism, right? Is that we can all have a pathway to sharing yep. that. Yeah, we can We can all... That can umbrella everyone. But then, like I said yeah. before, when it becomes about specific knowledge sets or specific Indigenous ways of being and stories, then that is... There's a whole lot of different there's other there's other criteria you got to meet to do that you know there's like i was thinking <laughs> yeah. potentially his kids could be maori if he married a maori then they would have they would have mm. the genealogical link because in our world you know whakapapa and genealogy is, is probably one of the the prime concepts um that could connect you back to our to our deities and if you whakapapa to the sky father Ranginui, right. and the earth mother papa to anuku in one way or another then then you know you have that um you have the authority mm. to give you to say I am Maori. I stand. I have the whakapapa there, um, but without that, it becomes oh well. You can't can't come in and appropriate this knowledge, but you can. But this knowledge can be explained um, as a wider concept of animism, which is shared with a lot of indigenous people. And hey, you can be an animist too. I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, I'm a First Nations person or I'm an Aboriginal person, but I could say that we all share similar um, mm. principles and then how that uh, realises itself within our environment and in our instance of animism yeah. is, you know, Māori or is um, all, our, all the other Indigenous peoples around the world. And I, I think what we saw powerful about that is if you set the initial conditions if you have a few core foundations then you can create the conditions of emergent of emergence for a positive sort of game b um future but if you don't have the like core foundations being appropriate then it doesn't it would be like you know permaculture always talks about there's a certain set of conditions in any piece mm. of land you know the temperature the moisture content the the soil makeup and those are going to drive through the living you know system on earth towards certain types of land types right if you have enough moisture and enough soil and enough like you know temperature if you have enough warmth then it's always going to push towards like a forest it's always going to push towards the most complex mm. type of land cover um type of ecosystem and you can apply you can input energy and effort to change that but as soon as you stop that sort of external whether you're cutting down trees or suppressing grass or whatever you're doing, whatever external energy you're putting, as soon as you stop that input, it reverts back towards that path, towards where the natural system wants to take it. And I think that's exactly the societal mm -hmm. thing, right? If we have the core that these are dead living systems, then no matter how many sort of like uh, enlightened or more mindful things come along and say, let's put that on top and you should actually respect mm -hmm. indigenous people or you should respect each other or we should add in this, right? Like it just reverts back to type. As soon as you yeah. remove that particular person or group that's applying that positive force, it reverts back. And so we're like, we have to set the core yeah. conditions, right? 
in an appropriate manner, and then you don't have to. Yeah, input so we had that we had that base stack of animism. and we were pretty clear. Okay, that's probably yeah. what our foundational element has to be. If we wither it all the way down, that's probably the values um, that have to be a part of everything. Yeah. And then on top of that was uh, okay. How do how do you operationalize, or how does it? What does that look like? And that's yeah. where the concepts of game B, um, our game B concepts came in because they they already anti. Um, I don't want to use the word anti, but animism is yeah. not is uh, not the standard way of operating. Just as game B isn't no. the standard way of operating, so they kind of work well yeah. together because um, animism True. wouldn't fit in the current context of you know, um, resource resource extraction. extraction yeah. So, um, yeah. So and and our concept. Uh, and it wouldn't tell Maori. You ask, okay, if I was, if I'm, if I'm Maori and I've got an animus Maori worldview, but then I have a business that pollutes the river. You know, how does that align? What well, is there some kind of alignment? Mm. Um, yeah. And potentially that business thrives in a game A environment. So what is a game B environment would be? Yeah. Would have a different type of relationship if it's built on that top of the animus, uh, the animus stack. And so we kind of have some 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 order and then what followed it was um i think we, we brought in solar punk because it was the most accessible visual me uh visual concept to to explain what that looks like but if you look at solar punk only um you could assume that it operates you know it could be a big multinational yeah. amazon could be running all of the beautiful buildings and yeah. so um built on top yeah. of game being as animism you have a whole different type of world a whole different type yeah and solar punk was cool because it was a starting point to you know it's a it has a visual style it has a visual language it has cultural mm. artifacts that have been created by people that love that potential for the future and so it was a starting point where we could start to visually try to explore what things would look like um and we started you know, talking about the vision cube and exploring different domains of life in this aspirational, attractive future. But yeah, like you said, I mean, solar bunk school, because all the elements we talked about, like regeneration and beauty in like a degraded place, obviously appropriate to today. Um, the, the solar aspect or the like primary consideration being the sun obviously I think has a lot of meaning in a lot of different levels. And then the punk aspect again has, we've had to sort of make sure that we were embodying mm. that in a reasonable way. You know, we've, you know, um, cause that is very anti-establishment day. Eh? The punk aspect. it's cause yeah. it's, what's working now isn't what, what's, what's set up now isn't working. And, to change that you're going to encounter resistance resistance to change and so then you are going to be mm. immediately labeled as um, a resistor yeah but i almost feel like we solar punk is is like a bridging mm. mechanism to get to something right that's it's it's not the thing but it's a good starting point to, to, down a journey you know and i i think that we don't want to get pulled into being in opposition because yeah, yeah. that's a really very effective game yeah, 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 true, true. mechanism to entangle all these little like seedlings of hope and aspiration is then they just they get all their energy sucked out and becoming in opposition to mm. game a when it's which i think one of the things about our approach is trying to just recognize that is what it is right you know game b has a framework where there's like sort of three places you can put your energy it's like sort of triaging all the messed up stuff that game a is doing now or building bridges or transitionary structures or building like fully proper game B or, you know, um, things. And I think you and I recognize that we probably can't even conceptualize of like a properly fully game B mm. stuff, you know, like we're probably anything we're conceptualizing is probably somewhere in the Yeah. yeah Cause we can't fully, it'd be too difficult to fully go over to game B because we just don't have the conditions set to, to for that type of structure to flourish, but we can push towards it. Um, yeah. 
do you think we should talk about the our i think i remember us looking at wakanda and like thinking oh that yeah, that's got animism that's a different structure it's gonna kind of game b it's kind of solo punk but mm. at the at the core of um wakanda was vibranium and vibranium is like this mm. tech MacGuffin, you know that allows through technology this <laughs> um the civilization to flourish and um so it becomes like a techno fix vibranium is presented as a techno yeah. fix whereas we kind of really look trying to lean towards social a social fix um that was one of the concepts we had and then so we i think we looked at the kardashev scale of advancement for civilizations and mm. that was pretty based pretty much based around technology and, and how advanced your yeah. technology energy yeah how advanced your technology and energy extraction was was how advanced you were as a society but um what would a complementary scale of social advancement look like and that's where we where we talked yeah. about that social scale well i mean i think like the eo wilson and i'm sure many other people that just point out we seem to be mostly just applying intellect and we're creating a lot of really like cool techno trinkets but everyone's satisfaction with life the rate of you know depression and anxiety um the rate of chronic illness all these things which are i think for most people pretty well accepted and understood now um are the trend lines for those things <clears throat> seem to be going up in tandem with the trend lines for physical technology. Um, and we seem to be applying the same type of reasoning, sense-making, solution-making that's that made the tech to allegedly solve the <clears throat> negative consequences, right? And we don't seem to be honoring or holding a place of true impact for the type of wis you know for for the power of wisdom right to guide these things and make them actually positive mm -hmm. for the actors in the system the, the humans the animals the the trees the rivers the mountains and i think that's really that has motivated us to talk about that's the problem we keep applying like intellectual thinking to solve an intellect to solve a problem that's like a wisdom mm. problem right and then we're confused why we don't seem to make progress on that front should we talk about what our cobra is like you know i suppose what the name with the name because then so once we had all these conversations yeah. we were like oh right we've got to make something what should we call it yeah um and then we landed on funaki foundry yeah, well, that's uh, all of that is, you know, a synthesizing a lot of time of exploring what's useful for us to do with mm. our time and um, what 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 could be something that we could be happy about and proud about that we actually thought <clears throat> could have a, a maybe some chance of contributing to a positive future. And yeah, so yeah, that's where, how we got to Funaki Foundry. We we've we got a little bit of, of stand up funding to start. Um, trying to make this thing a reality, trying to make it something that can be a place of continuation of this type of thinking, whether it's us um, or new people trying to just create conditions for the emergence of what we need to emerge, but not to <clears throat> be overly prescriptive. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, Funaki Foundry came about um, representing the sort of blend of an American, mm. you know, and and a Maori guy working to collaborating together on something and having an English and a, and a mm. Maori um, but, word. And, I don't, do you yeah, want to talk about yeah, why, I think, why those words well, are meaningful? Is just a word that's, uh, funak is to to kind of rise up or to to they usually we use for develop um, or or just emergence that word funaki. Um and yet you know, foundry we leaned on because it's foundry are where physical things are made and so we were like oh, how do we create um we, let's see where things are made but how do we create take these concepts and turn them into physical spaces and digital and digital tools as well so um having something to provide um but yeah the foundry is where it kind of all comes together um making yeah, real, real, things. real things i just you know last thing on this for me but i think you know you've got people like 
Elon Musk, whether you like him or not, he feels he has this mission or obligation to solve a bunch of technical problems. And I think if, if you have a social infrastructure that can operate and utilize those things and distribute them in a wise way, that's really powerful. But I, it's like you've got those people applying a lot of intellect and brilliant <clears throat> brilliance in certain domains to solving really rel- you know, critical problems. But you don't see what's these are a wisdom counterpart to Musk, right? And there will be, as far as brilliance and capability, there'll be countless mm. people out there, but the resources are not being directed that way because you generate resources. Resources are controlled by game A, so you generate them through being a game A player that plays game A well, right? And so I don't know. It's 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 like very like asymmetrical type of warfare. We're not going to have the traditional financial resources that someone like Musk can apply to to a comparable wisdom solutions. Mm-hmm. But but so we have to. We it's very asymmetric. It's like a little guerrilla force yeah. fighting um, a main army. We have to use very asymmetric techniques, which I think is why we keep leaning into things that are emotive or connect to people on a deep level. Um, yeah, I it just, and I think that's what Funaki Foundry is striving to. You and I are just putting a little bit of effort in. We've, we've learned so much from these things we've talked about and been inspired by, and we're trying to create our own little artifacts of that culture, which hopefully can have an asymmetric impact on people that they can connect to people at a really deep mm. level. You know, they can, the people recognize that there's things missing. And I think if we start to show them some possibilities that have, that are grounded in a, in a relationship to a living cosmos, that's really meaningful. And that could be asymmetric to people. Like those, are, I think are the types of things that we want to explore and articulate. Um, and and utilize that yeah and then just create create content around it like create stuff so people can oh you know because that's what we encountered we were like oh man we've got these concepts is there anywhere that's doing this that's bringing Mm. them all together and no was the answer um so we thought well we have to we have to create this we have to explore this and we have to share this journey so i think funaki is is a space for us to um yeah explore what does the future state look like um what does it what kind of imagery uh evokes emotions and and um, mm. what kind of imagery captures captures that essence of what that future state should be what do the what's the meantime got to look like what does the structure look like now and how can we best represent that um that future and something we can do today what are our learnings um and then the other thing is yeah how can we use um how can we use or well, AIs come out to scale our ability as a small um, non-profit mm. type of operation? How can we use that to do what a bigger entity could do or, um, you know, achieve the same things with less, because that's what we would be, you know, the asymmetry yeah. again, we've got less to work with, but how can we do just as much, um, I suppose, without sacrificing anything, you know, our well-being and stuff. Uh, giving it a, giving it a the crack. goal is the goal the goal is that we can make something light and lean which takes minimal input away from the main thing which we want to do which is to explore and synthesize and share this inspiring vision of the future that can motivate uh people to invest towards that yeah. pathway you know not for us to spend our time on all the sort of operational things and then our hope is you know fully supporting the hyper collaborative and hyper transparent, you know, open source, uh, ethics is to explore this blueprint for ourselves in this space and just share, Hey, this, this is something we've done and it's led towards us being able to spend more of our energy Mm. in productive areas and feel free to use whatever parts of this are relevant for you and contribute that out into this wider ecosystem here. How can we apply these technologies here, but ground them in the, in, in, in these principles so yeah we can we can dig more into like how we're using generative ai how we're using automation a lot of ai tools and automation um on top of what we just talked about which is more this sort of yeah intellectual mm. framework right like and then there's the practical how do you make that a reality and 
operating a and small, how do they and how do they support right? each other right because yeah. um, without those tools we would be time restricted to then and to then do the other the other wisdom based exercises so um, yeah. yeah it's trying to figure out their balance and this has just been a, a like sense making approach of just trying to figure it figure it all out what what's um, what's <laughs> going to work and yeah. um, man we found ourselves in some other rabbit hole you know man we actually just want to do this but we've got to set up all of this other peripheral stuff to yeah. support it because um you know if we got to a point where we set up a structure and it's just like a it's just like a traditional company it, it just wouldn't really represent uh the kind of game b principles and um yeah so it's cool we have those three key our three key pillars of game b of animism game b and solar pump and hey yeah. and i think our our, our hope is that we can make something that's just like a little plugin that you might share up and open source, right? And anyone can just take that element and just slot it into their thing and do, they don't have to do the sort of exhaustive R&D, right? Like, I think that's yeah. our hope that, that through the investment of our time and energy, we can create something that's really like plug and play for especially anyone else here that wants to do something similar. And they can just take that and just start from that point and progress and we just keep improving the ability for people to not restart yeah. right and improving but you know make a little self-contained thing and just put that yeah, out there it's the ability for people to create nodes on, on this network and for this network to hold this type mm. of thinking it's for people to to jump on board and to to see this as a as a viable and feasible alternative this this type of approach and yeah. uh the ideal, the ideal would be, you know, if we, there would be an eco par, you know, and it would be established at mm. some point, and yeah. all the businesses within there, all the entities, whatever they were, these type of businesses, yeah. and you know, it was it was collaborative, it was collective, uh, and all of these other things that we still have to flesh out of Fanake, um, and it would be complemented by the digital space, and a network of people across the world. So yeah, hey, small small. Uh, small ask <laughs> yeah and I, I think there's quite a few things that we would like to spend time exploring probably on the podcast in written content but certainly there's a there's quite a few threads we would like to explore um via a podcast so that if it is valuable or useful to anyone else that that that's out there and we can at least have a give and take with all the others that are sharing so much brilliance on youtube and podcasts but you know for example, we, we want to deep dive into the network state and this concept of is how is that a way that you could scale mm. a game B society? And there's some really amazing stuff out there. And um, that'll all be sort of things that hopefully we'll explore and flesh out. Um, and I also just want to acknowledge what you said and be really clear that we are in a really uh, formational early stage of this endeavor, right? And we are not claiming or pretending to have any complete answers mm. or solutions. We're in a completely exploratory phase, right? And we're sort of have these conditions where we have a little bit of initial opportunity to spend some time and our energy, but we're really just exploring, right? We're not pretending to have any final Be experts. complete, right? We're not experts. We don't have any final products, but we do, I think, have some threads worth following and some ways of operating and looking at them and ways of exploring that will hopefully be useful and contribute time back out to the one community at large okay. first um what is this a podcast like first podcast done or first i don't know what we're calling this day. this is just our our uh yeah. i don't know yeah i guess <laughs> hard to imagine that anyone would take value or be interested in what we just did but i guess that's the thing you never yeah. know right i guess that's the most like um just it would be silly to assume anyone would find value or interest about it but a lot of the things that are valuable and interesting probably those people didn't expect they would be and if you don't share them then that potential is not out there i think that's what's really cool right mm -hmm. like the wise approach is to know that we have no idea. Like that's the only wise approach. Yeah. We couldn't see all ends. We couldn't predict what is of value. And if we do this exercise, we're like, this is a value. This isn't a value. That's a very game A approach. And 
or or to be arrogant and say this does have value. But I think the wise approach is to say yeah, who knows who what knows? has value. But if you don't put it there, then the potentiality for someone to take something and make a great thing or to be inspired never exists. So I guess we'll just go through this exercise of sharing. Yeah. Right? That's at the rawest level, right? We're just going to share. We're going to try to embody the principles of open sourcing and, and hyper collaborative working and just share any of our things of value that we find valuable back out and who knows what happens. Cool, bro. I think that's us. <laughs> the end. Podcast one. <laughs>